Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Naked Mindset. I'm your host, Janae Ledger. Thank you for tuning in today. If this is your first time listening, welcome to a podcast where you will find everything from intimacy, dating, relationships, sex, mental health, and pretty much everything in between. We are a judgment-free zone here, so I hope you enjoy the podcast. This is episode number 74. I cannot believe I'm saying this. It's almost October, end of September, if you're listening to this when it releases, believe it or not, the next, the day after this releases, which would be September 30th, is actually my dog Roxy's first birthday, so happy birthday, Roxy, and coincidentally, it is me and my boyfriend Tyler's two-year anniversary, so that is super exciting and such a special day for all of us, honestly, so cheers to that. I have a very special guest today, and I'm very excited to have you guys listen in on our conversation, and I hope you, you know, enjoy and tune in and check out other episodes as well. So without further ado, here is the guest. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a very special guest. She has an incredible bio. Um, She is a creative solution specialist, a relationship expert, and she is also the host of her globally acclaimed podcast, Toxic Person Proof. And she's also the best-selling author of her book, Toxic Person Proof, Clear the Confusion and Learn to Trust Yourself. Her work has been featured in Today.com, many magazines, and Your Best Self TV. Everyone, please welcome to the show, Sarah K. Ramsey. Hello, how are you? Happy to be here. I am so happy you're here, and I cannot wait to just pick your brain and just talk all about what you have been up to, what you've been doing, and all the good stuff. So I'm very excited to chat and get to know more about you. So I have been really enjoying opening up the podcast with what you are most excited about coming up in your life. Um, I am most excited about my newest book, Problem Solved, Simple Habits for Complex Decisions. And this book nearly killed me. Like, I mean, I, my, I well, uh, like several times, like who has a swollen eyeball? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So then one time I fell down the stairs. Then another time I lost feeling in my hands. Then I had family conflicts. Then I had, I think COVID like twice. I mean, it's just been like this crazy fight and struggle to get this out into the world. And so I don't know what is going on, but there's been so many blocks to getting this out in the world. And so I'm so passionate about the impact it's going to have. I have been geeky about reading the reviews and what people have been saying about it and just the way it kind of immediately impacts lives. Um, And I'm really passionate about taking really complicated situations and making them sound simple, right? So I think about this book as explaining the language of overwhelm. Oh, okay. But explaining the language of overwhelm in a way that makes sense in a book is not easy, right? Right. So (laughs) chapter three, I rewrote for a year. 
Wow. For eight years. And it went finally to this, I'll, I'll tell you about the concepts later, but it finally went um, through all these processes and all these people had thoughts on it. And finally, I thought it was the final version. And I sent it to my high school English teacher. And I said, I just need your opinion on this. She goes, I don't like this at all, Sarah. You know, and I was like, oh, and oh, so liked her and respected her. And I rewrote the whole chapter again. And so wow. it's just been this whole evolving process. But if you are confused in your head and you want to move forward in your life, we need a new language. We need a new framework. I don't know if you've ever had a class on how to make decisions, but most people haven't. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I met yeah, I took a lot of interesting college courses for business, but I don't think about making decisions. It's very, and I'm intrigued. And you make 35,000 of them a day. Wow. That is wild to me, but it makes sense. It totally it does. Because every little thing that you do, you get to choose. According to Cornell University, we make 219 food related decisions a day. Oh, Yes. And right. I am the most indecisive person about food too. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. So is that, is it coffee or tea? Do I have a salad or chicken? Do I have a sandwich right. or wheat bread or white bread? Right. So all these things, but then we end up in decision-making fatigue yes. or analysis paralysis. Right. And this is almost like our normal. Right. Like, who we know is like that, you know, or the people who are really good at making decisions usually end up in leadership positions and then they get very frustrated with employees, right? And then right. they people say, oh, my boss is toxic. My workplace is toxic, right? And so it's just this whole fascinating process of I've been in toxic relationships. And after a toxic relationship, you struggle with people pleasing, right? It's like, oh, I make a decision to make my dad not mad. I make a decision to make my mom not mad. I make a decision to make my boyfriend not mad. I make a decision to make my boss not mad. I make a decision to make my friend not mad. Well, if you set boundaries and you go through personal growth, you got to figure out a new way of making decisions. That is so true. I always say I'm a recovering people pleaser because I used to be bad. And now I'm like, Janae, no, no, no. You ain't going to please everyone ever, right? That's, that's the hard truth is you're never going to please everyone. Someone's always going to be pissed or mad or disappointed with your choices. But at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, I feel like as long as you're happy with your choice, then it is what it is, right? Well, it is what it is. And if you've not built the muscle of decision-making, you know, I could say, what do you want? And people are like, well, I don't really know. I know what I don't want. Right. right. I don't know what what I want, right? So you see <laughs> how this could relate to unhappiness, right? It's like, what do you want? I have no idea. I just know I'm unhappy. Okay. Well, you know, and I say, what problem are you trying to solve? Mm. I don't know. You know, my boss makes me mad. My sister's a jerk, what, whatever it is, right? And it's like, okay, so what problem are you really trying to solve, right? And so it's just the whole book has got all these concepts and our brains are problem solving machines. Mm. And that's what but if we're not solving the right problems, we're just tired. Yeah. That is so right? true. That is such a 35,000 times a day. Right. Right. 35,000 decisions a day. We're tired. Right. And I, I find it fascinating that with all the conversations around time management and burnout and self-care, mm shoring up our decision-making processes and making sure we're solving the right problems and not wasting time on the wrong problems seems pretty crucial. 
Absolutely. Wow. I'm very fascinated. So now how, I want to know a little bit more about your background. So you, you have your podcast, you wrote a book, you're writing a second book, which is so impressive. How did you, I guess, let's start with the podcast. Did you create your book first and then you kind of were wanting to have more conversations? Cause I know you have guests on your podcast. How oh, did yeah. you, how did you get into like the podcasting world? So when I take a personality test, I am like a 10 out of 10 extrovert. I mean, it's just like yeah. this extreme Over. extroversion, right? And then this little weird thing called the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. And I would go to the grocery store and used to, when I went to the grocery store, I would smile at people and I would say, how are you? That watermelon looks good. You know, it was just these little pieces of connection that I had no idea were such crucial coping strategies for me, right? connecting, having interesting conversations, learning about people that I didn't know yet. It was just this huge coping mechanism. I had no idea. It was just normal. And then it was gone. And my anxiety was like way up here. Um, And so that is the story of how I started the Toxic Person Proof podcast. It's ranked as a 2% global globally acclaimed podcast. Now I'll get emails like you're trending in Greece, you're trending in, you know, wherever. And, um, literally it was because I couldn't talk to people at the grocery store. That's amazing though. And that's, I can relate to that on so many levels because I felt the same way, like even, and I know this, this sounds silly, but when someone has a mask on, you can't see what their facial expression is. And even if I was like in the grocery store or I just noticed like, over the years of wearing a mask and now it's like I feel like a lot of people don't but I feel like you couldn't even really pick up on people's like any any like facial reactions how they're feeling like I feel like it was almost like hiding behind it and it was so hard to like communicate and I think of like people that are are hard of hearing like they obviously struggled if they can't read lips I actually interviewed someone um, that was hard of hearing. And she like really struggled throughout the pandemic because she couldn't read lips, right? Because the masks. So there's so many different, there's so many different perspectives on, you know, the 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 pandemic. And and I think it's so I, I'm totally with you on it was such a hard thing to go through. And like now it's like, wow, like now you get to see people's faces. And I'm almost, it's almost like nice to see them again because it's like, oh my gosh, like. I can actually smile at someone that I'm walking through a store to and just like a little smile, I feel like goes such a long way. It really does, in my opinion. And I think that human connection was really lacking. And I think a lot of us just really kind of took it upon ourselves to figure out, you know what, how else am I going to connect with people? So I just love that you were like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do a podcast. And that's just, that's super cool. Um, So there's a around the house problem solving method that I talk about in my new book. And mm. I didn't really think about it in these terms. This is just how I think now. Right. But it's like, okay, the problem I'm trying to solve is I need human connection. Okay. Mm-hmm. What there's something called a gravity problem, which means like you can't change gravity, right? I can't change that. We're safe at home. I can't change the world pandemic. I can't, like, I can't change any of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And so a gravity problem is, hey, I can't talk to people at the grocery store or meet my friends. Okay. There's nothing I can do about that. No matter how hard I fight it, it just happens. That's just is. Okay. Then abstract thinking or an abstract problem is, 
this isn't fair. Why do I, why can't I be an introvert? Uh, uh, why do I have to stay? Why do I not have to listen to people? Why do I have to follow the rules? Why aren't other people following the rules? Whatever it is in your head, right? It's like circular thinking, mm. okay? So it's spending a lot of energy, but it's not solving the problem of human connection, mm. okay? So the problem I was trying to solve is connect with people. And I had to kind of go around the house about it, right? Because right. It, it wasn't a simple solution. I, you know, used to, I'd just call a friend. Do you want to go out and grab lunch, right? And I couldn't do that. So I had to find like an around the house way, a roundabout way to solve the problem. And that turned into the Toxic Person Proof Podcast. Wow. That is so cool. I love that. And I love the perspective too. It's like, it makes sense. It's like, we, we, I crave human connection too. So I'm, and I, and even working from home, like that was a huge adjustment that a lot of folks had to go through. Right. And just like not being able to see people every day. And now I'm used to it. So now when I see people, I like talk their ear off because I'm like, I haven't talked to people all day besides like if I'm in a meeting and then if I'm not in a meeting, I talk to my dog. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's just, it is what it is now. It's like a, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely used to it, but it is, it is a very interesting thought. Now, let me ask you this. So I know, I know like your books are really focused on like decision-making and then also like toxic relationships, which is definitely a topic that I want to get into today because I think it's, it's something that I think so many people go through. And sometimes I feel like when you're in that situation, you might not even realize like sometimes, I sometimes I found, you know, with just podcasting and hearing my friends' stories, I found that sometimes when you're in a situation, you're so in love or I don't know, it, it could even be a friendship, right? When you're in it, it's like almost hard to like look at it from like a third party position and say, huh, like kind of have a reflecting moment, like, huh, is this really going well? Is, is, am I kind of being just taken advantage of? Like, am I, am I lacking something? Are they making me feel shittier than, the, than they are better for me? So I think that's something that I think, I mean, and I'm sure you have so much context about it, but I think it's something that people go through. And I think so many of us don't even realize because we're almost like, we almost have like blinders to it. And in this conversation, this is my favorite reason to call it a toxic person encounter. Okay. Mm. Because toxic relationships, you automatically think boyfriend, girlfriend, right. Or some romantic relationship. Right. And so when I'm hearing you speak, I think, yeah, every human is like a goldfish swimming in its own water. Right. So the man on wall street, who's just working, 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 that's his normal. Um, Maybe someone, my son went hiking and saw someone in the Mennonite community who had, you know, couldn't wear pants and had a, a dress on. She was hiking in a dress. To her, that's normal. Mm. To me, that was very abnormal. To her, that's normal. Or you imagine, you know, someone um, living in certain cities where it's normal to have people shoot. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, that's normal. It would be crazy for me to hear like shooting outside or sirens or yes. something, but to some people that is their normal. And some people are so wealthy, they can't even, they never even think about money and they just like, oh, I'm going to fly to dinner in Paris. And that's their normal. Right. So mm -hmm. none of those things, or maybe some of those things are normal to certain people here, but you know, to, to each of us, there are certain ways of living, like maybe people in Dubai, 
right? It's just mm. so ritzy and so glitzy. And they're not, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to hold hands in Dubai. Like that's like, yes. because it's the Middle East still, right? Right, right, right? So we can think about that life and just say, wow, you can't hold hands in public with your, maybe someone you're married to, like, wow, right. that's, that's really weird, right? So I think that helps people forgive themselves in situations that they were, they had the blinders on, right? That they didn't see the red flags, that that was just their normal. Right. And they didn't see it, right? Because the Prince of Dubai is not thinking about living from my perspective. Mm. And most days, some days I have done a lot of work. Um, I worked at inner city school, you know, some days I do think about people living in high crime areas, but most of the time I don't, right? right. Because I don't think about, I, I don't have to live in fear that my children are going to get shot if they go outside. I'm very fortunate and privileged in that way. Right. And I'm not nearly as privileged as the Prince of Dubai. <laughs> right. So, you know, I really want to like hone that in because I think if you've not been in a toxic relationship, it's really easy to see that's, you know, that's so stupid. Why didn't they see that? Right. Obviously that was a toxic relationship. Why couldn't they see? And mm. I want to say, Hardly any of us see outside of our own perspective. Exactly. Swimming in our own water. And if you're dealing with a con artist, they don't hit you on the first date, right? It's slow and progressed and they trick you and they train you and they manipulate you. And that's the same thing that happened with like Bernie Madoff Mm. and some of these other people who were con artists, right? People met Hitler. There was a prime minister who met Hitler and said, he's probably not that bad of a guy. Wow. A prime minister. This is not a stupid man. Right. Okay. And anytime someone says, ask a question about those, those blinders and missing the red flags, I kind of take it back to this really global perspective because every single person listening, maybe it's you, or maybe it's someone in your life who's been in a toxic relationship and it is our automatic to say, I can't believe they put up with that. That's so yeah. stupid. Who are they? I can't believe they saw that, right? It's that's where our brain goes, right? right? Because there's a survey about drivers and it said that I think 70 or 80% of people consider themselves an above average driver. Interesting. Okay. And not true, right? So right. we all kind of wear rose colored glasses about our own situations because we're messy humans trying to survive. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, honestly. So my, one of my missions is to give that same grace to people who've been in toxic relationships. And if you have a family member who's been in toxic relationship to give people a language and perspective, because it is really to say, that's so stupid. I can't believe you put up with that. Right. If only it were that simple. No, I completely agree. (laughs) It's not easy. It totally isn't. And I think that's, and that's where I think, a lot of people, you know, go through situations like that. And I think, I think we should just like break it down, like what it could look like to be in a toxic relationship. Um, so let's kind of start there. Cause I find, I find like, maybe someone listening to this will be like, huh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I need to reflect on that relationship. So let's start there. Like, what are some aspects, you know, that someone could be in a toxic relationship? what it could look like really. I'm going to give people subtle ones that are, um, 
you know, if you Google a list of red flags in relationships, they're probably going to talk about violence, lying, cheating, addiction, you know, so I'm going to give you people some subtle nuances. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that, that are going to break through really easily. Right. So, um, Janae, how old were you when you learned how to take turns? Oh boy. Young. I'd say four or five. Right. Okay. So three, four, five. Okay. If you are in a relationship with someone who it's always their turn and their wants, needs, desires, hobbies, money, sexual needs, uh, whatever it is, are always more important than yours and they have not learned how to take turns, that's a toxic relationship. Right. And I love using that perspective because it's like, well, they've been hearing that they should have taken turns. The latest age you said was five. So now let's say they're 25 or 35. Mm hmm either 20 or 30 years, society has been telling them they're supposed to take turns. And yet they still think it's always their turn. What is the likelihood of them changing? Probably very low. Right. And that's, I love using that example because it kind of, Mm. I want people to hope in the right things, not believe promises that people are going to change when they have no desire to. Yes. I feel like people really need to change for themselves. Someone can't tell them to change. It's, it doesn't really work that way. It never works. It it never (laughs) works. Right. Um, so also, uh, there's something I call smart girl syndrome. Okay. So it, was there a subject in school that you struggled with or didn't like as much math? I hated math. (laughs) It's always math. I know it's usually math. Um, okay. So Let's imagine I struggled in geometry. I was pretty good at algebra, terrible at geometry. Okay. Mm. Uh, did you have a preference? I would say I liked, I liked algebra. Oh yeah. Algebra is kind of logical, right? The geometry, yeah. it's not, right. it's just crazy. You know, people it who is. like geometry, obviously sociopaths. I mean, obviously, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's say you have geometry and you got a bad grade on your report card. What do you do? You go to tutoring, you stay after school, you study harder, right? And then you raise your geometry grade and pass geometry. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, let's say you're building a business. It's hard. You feel like you're failing and then you work harder. You put in more time, you get help, you invest money, and then you build your business or starting a podcast, right? You invest time, you invest money, you work harder and it goes well. Mm. Okay. So I call that smart girl syndrome. It is a lovely quality in many areas of life. Now let's apply that same strategy to a toxic relationship. Mm. And one person thinks their wants, needs, desires, hopes, dreams, money, sexual needs are always more important than the other person's. And we smart girls, it's like, let's just work harder, right? Let's invest more. Let's put in more time. Let's put in more energy. Let's make less of ourselves. Let's change ourselves, you know, make the relationship work. Okay. I don't have to be right. You know, the relationship is more important than being right. All of these, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to give up on love. Right. You can see how dangerous that dynamic is when one person keeps working harder and one person expects you to do all the work. Yes. Right. So that's a toxic relationship. That's a good example too. 
right um and then the the other example i have is like being at the top of the pyramid so in a healthy family dynamic if my daughter just finished a major a sporting event, she gets to pick where to go to dinner. If it's my birthday, I get to get, pick where we go to dinner. If my husband just got a promotion at work, he gets to pick where we go to dinner. Okay. So we each take turns being the most important. Hmm. Right. And in a toxic relationship, it's never your turn. You're right. never the most important. <laughs> their wants, their needs, where they want to go to dinner. It's always at the top of the pyramid, right? And, I, and that goes a little bit back to taking turns, but it's a, it's, it's a subtle nuance. But these are the signs of a health, an unhealthy relationship. And these are signs you can see much earlier than them losing their anger, you know, criticizing you in public, um, gaslighting you, minimizing you, putting holes in the tires, you know, whatever it is that, that guilt, that comes way later. And I want to explain things. It's, it's a bit like if you have cancer. Okay. And I had two family members recovering, three family members recovering from cancer right now. Wow. Okay. Forgot one. Um, <laughs> three family members recovering from cancer. Okay. So you can imagine if we looked at cancer and we only talked about it in stage four. Mm-hmm age four cancer. We didn't have cancer awareness. We didn't have cancer prevention. We didn't have early warning signs. Many more people would be having issues with cancer and dying. Right. Okay. And so within toxic relationships, a lot of times we think about domestic violence. Mm -hmm. That's stage four cancer. If you've gotten to the point that there's physical violence, they're trapping you in your house, they're withholding money, they're raping you in a relationship, they are stalking you, right? That's stage four cancer. Yes. Okay. I'm trying to get the conversation into precancerous cells and stage one so we can actually do something about it. Mm. Okay. Because by the time someone's getting hit and not that we can't do anything about it then, I'm just really into cancer prevention, <laughs> right? Yeah, Not just, you know, I have a family member with breast cancer, two family members with breast cancer, and both of them had to, chose to, and had to remove their breasts. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty drastic. Right. I'm glad because they're alive, but that's a very drastic point to get to where you're having to cut off body parts. Absolutely. And when you have to cut someone toxic out of your life or get a divorce or move out with someone or move into a domestic violence shelter, whoa, those are such extreme versions. And it's so hard and so damaging and so difficult. I really want to protect people in those earlier stages. That makes total sense. And I think just hearing the way you describe these situations just helps me like kind of process the whole just kind of more about toxic relationships because obviously I know them from you know a surface level I don't think I've probably been in one toxic relationship um but I haven't been in like an extreme you know situation um I definitely know a lot of people that are in toxic relationships which is obviously I'm sure a very hard place to to be in um and just I don't even I guess that might be a good question is you know, if someone is close to you and you, you just see all of these red flags and these horrible situations happening, what do you usually suggest folks do to someone close to them and how they can kind of help out that person? What would you suggest? 
I'm going to say a crazy story first. Okay. okay. So yes. I friend, and she was interviewing her grandmother about prohibition. Okay. For a school project. Mm. And she asked her grandmother if alcohol had had a negative effect on her life. And the grandmother said, no, alcohol really had an effect in my life. And my friend was like, you divorce an alcoholic. You can imagine someone that age getting a divorce. I mean, it was just a right. huge deal, right? So she, my friend right. is like, you divorce an alcoholic and you got cast out of the Southern Baptist church for getting a divorce and became Methodist. And that's why our family's Methodist. And like, what do you mean alcohol hasn't affected your life, right? And this woman was very successful. I mean, she was a absolute powerhouse for her time, for any time, especially for her time, right? She is not a dumb lady, but our brains can do these crazy tricks on us. Oh, for sure. Right? To not give us more than we can handle. Okay. So I want to tell that crazy story too, because it's easier to see when it's not your problem, right? right. <laughs> so then no, when you're in toxic relationships, I will say I have surveyed hundreds, if not thousands of people to ask, was there anything someone said to you that threw a light bulb on and you, you did not co go into a toxic relationship? And the answer is no. Hmm. I have never heard one phrase that was successful in, hey, I'm worried you're in a toxic relationship. And the person said, oh, you're right. I am. I'm going to leave. Right. And that's amazing to me and terrifying. Right. And that's why I am so obsessed with all these little nuances and all these little games and trying to get it into those precancerous cell stages or pre-toxic relationship stages to really protect people. Because once you're in stage two or three, where everybody can start seeing the red flags, I've not heard one successful phrase of my friend said this to me and I got out. Yeah. That's so true. That's that is. You're so right? deep into it. You, it's just. You're tough. goldfish swimming in your own water, right? And so when you think, okay, it's not that they're stupid. It's not that they're dumb. It's not. Now, I will say it is because the toxic people are so good at manipulating. Oh, for sure. Manipulation. Right? So artists. Yes, they're so good at um, taking away your self-esteem or getting you to trust them instead of trusting yourself. Mm. Okay. So all those things are true. But I don't want to leave you hopeless, right? So I just want people to think about it as planting seeds mm. rather than one a one and done conversation. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Right. So lots of people do end up leaving toxic relationships. It's not hopeless. I just wish totally. with all the information I had, I had a phrase. I was like, okay, here's what you say. Here's how you say it. And everyone will believe you, right? I just literally no one's been successful and if anyone is listening to this and has been successful email me sarah at sarahkramsey.com let me hear the phrase right um so uh love love to hear um but it ends up being oh. planting seeds right and you kind yeah. of chip away at the denial and chip away at the manipulation and it ends up being these little tiny picks at it mm. rather than a pick you know just an axe where it's like let's sever this thing once and for all yeah no, that's actually a good way to put it too. And it's, and I'm sure even, I mean, I've just heard of situations where it's like 
think about like a bunch of women in one room. They're all talking about their relationship, right? And one girl's like, oh, you know, me and my husband went to on our anniversary trip and we had such a good time. And then another woman is like, oh, well, I got in a fight with my boyfriend last night because he did X, Y, Z, but like, they're just like rambling about all their different situations. And I know as humans, what is, you know, what do we do? We compare, right? We compare, oh, well, my relationship against theirs. And I think that can also be, I guess, another factor in it is is if someone, you know, if someone's talking about their relationship and you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot of red flags here. I'm, you know, I'm planting that seed. And then, you know, hearing, I mean, I've heard of stories where I'm like, oh, wow, like this situation does not seem like a good situation. And I see all of these red flags and like, you know, you kind of share, okay, well, this is, this is my situation and and it's good. And I'm maybe not even yours, but something else that's a good situation. I think I, I know it sounds silly, but like the comparison between, between a healthy relationship versus a toxic and unhealthy relationship. Right. And I always go back to the, just, I read online, like when I was doing my research for this interview about if someone really like puts you down and makes you feel worse than they do better. I think that's a huge factor. And also just feeling unsupported, right? Feeling like, yes, exactly. You have to make yourself small to make a relationship work. That is a terrible sign. And even friendships too. Like I've had toxic friendships that I had to say, you know what, this is, this is giving me anxiety. Like I, I feel anxiety about talking to you, hang out with you. I was like, this is not worth my time. I cannot be in that mindset. And I think that's, I mean, that could be a whole other conversation, but I think really honing in on what you were saying and just really focusing in on, okay, well, what, what can I do better? And, and really just kind of remove yourself. And and I know that that's such a hard situation to be in, right. Is trying to look at yourself from the third perspective. You know, I have my clients when they start to work with me, they have to write a letter to their best friend. Oh, and they bet they pretend that their best friend is going through what they're going through. Oh, I love that. Yes. So that's one way to do it. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, your mother was so ugly to you. I'm so sorry that your best friend hurt you. I'm so sorry. You know, those type of things. You'd have compassion for them. Right. right. Um, another way to shift people's perspective into plant seeds is to say, you know, if your life was a movie or your Mm. relationship TV show, what, you know, can you describe the characters or what, what would that be like? Or can you compare it to a TV show? And if they're saying something crazy or like, whoa, if people were following me with a camera around, I'd be like on Jerry Springer or, you know, whatever. Do you know what Jerry Springer is? Yes. So yes. Okay. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, or like, <laughs> are you the daddy? I don't even know what those old, yeah. you know, those are all old, but if it's just like insanity, mm. right. Th- that can, that can help shift that perspective. Um, or if someone was following you, if your life was a reality TV show, would you be the heroine of your story or would people feel sorry for you? Ooh, that is a good question. Wow. Right. So that's some ways to get them to start to think critically about their own life, which is the real goal. It's not to get them to leave the relationship. That's going to take some time, but right. to get them to start to think critically about the relationship. Definitely. Now, 
so let's let's have a hypothetical situation a woman is very unhappy in her relationship um you know she's really just having a hard time she's in a toxic relationship with her husband it's not going well he treats her like shit the whole nine um what do you usually recommend is like one of the first things I would assume therapy um but what are some other ways that someone can start to build into getting out of the relationship so very easy answer to that so I would keep a calendar and Mm -hmm. I would start to give yourself a one through ten each day unlike the relationship and everything else in your life Mm. okay so it's a Tuesday and my relationship was a three and work was in work and kids were an eight. Okay. That's data. Then the next day, you know, work was a three relationship was a three, you know, the next day. Right. And, but you start to collect some data and you can just write little numbers. You please, for your safety, do not say, this is my right. ex and I'm rating him and, or my husband, and I'm rating him. And this is, you know, everything else just begin to have a calendar with these numbers. Right. And um, that can keep you safe. And it just really gives you data. It's like, oh my gosh, this person is making me miserable. Or, oh, it's not really my partner at all. It's really, I need to change jobs. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I don't get a gold sticker for people divorcing. Mm, I I have no agenda to push people towards that. Right. Uh, My first book is Becoming Toxic Person Proof Clear the Confusion and learn to trust yourself, okay? Which explains why the next book's on decision-making, right? But it's just, how do we get that clear data? Yeah. Okay, this is what's really happening. Okay, okay, I'm not crazy in my head. This, I really am that miserable or it's really not that bad or, or whatever it is, right? Um, then if you start to see if it is that bad, my second piece of advice is our brains automatically are afraid of change. Yes. Okay. So we have to kind of play tricks on your brain to make you afraid of what happens if things don't change. Mm. Okay. That's why we all hit rock bottom, right? It's like, okay. Um, I had pie last night. It was so good. And I had ice cream and I had hamburger for dinner and pie and ice cream. And it was so good. Right. I also have a ton of diabetes in my family. Okay. So if I ate like that every night, we'd be having some real trouble, right? Like I have diabetes on both sides of the family. I can't have ice cream and pie every night. Okay. Um, so, you know, I have to become afraid of like, Ooh, I really don't want diabetes. If I'm eating ice cream every night, what's going to happen if I eat ice cream every night? And I have to become more afraid of that than I am of saying no to the ice cream that day. Mm, Being super aware. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, being super aware and just like, okay, I'm in this relationship. I'm miserable. I'm crying. I'm drinking too much. I'm looking at checking myself into a mental health institution. I I spend every day at work researching narcissism because I am trying to figure out what's happening in my marriage. I'm trying to figure out if it's a covert narcissist or a malignant narcissist, right? And I am describing a very, very, very real reality to some of your listeners. Yes. Right. Because that's what it looks like and feels like. Okay. Totally. And um, what happens if this is my life for the next 20 years? Mm. Thinking about the future. Right. Because what we think is, oh, what's going to happen if I leave? Mm. And I want you to be afraid of what happens if you stay. Yes. Yes. 
right? And so just a little shift that you can start to journal on that or, or think about that or break break down into that. Obviously, getting help, finding therapy. Um, typically, there's a lot of coaches in this space too. Um, and it's kind of a both and conversation because a therapist is, you know, you can get medication, you can, you know, they're going to be familiar with multiple shelters and that kind of thing. Um, I know personally with my coaching, people go through therapy and then it's like, okay, how do I get out of processing and into progressing? Mm. Okay. You don't want to be studying narcissism for the rest of your life. Right. You don't want to be healing from trauma the rest of your life, right? At some point it's like, I want to get a raise and I want to start dating and I want to have a hobby and a podcast and write a book and put myself out there, right? Whatever it is. At, at some point you want to kind of like get the before and after shots. You don't want there to be four and then the rest of your life until you die, right? right? <laughs> you want there to be some type of after and typically uh, a coach is the one to help you with that. I agree. And I always, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I absolutely love therapy. It's something that I have done many times in my life and it truly I, I say this on my podcast all the time, like, don't, I always say, don't let it get to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, I really need to go to therapy. Do it before you get to that point. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be like, quote unquote, so bad. Right. I always say that too. It's like, if you're to the point where you're just depressed and you have so many things going on, your, your mind is just going crazy and you're sleeping all the time. Like, go to therapy before you get to that point, because you don't have to have a huge problem. You can just talk to someone and get a third perspective and an outsider's, you know, not a biased opinion. Right. I always say that. And it's something that I always try to encourage my, my listeners to do. I think everyone should go to therapy in some point of their life and just really be able to get all of your feelings out and just have a different perspective. That's my favorite part of therapy. It's something I am a huge proponent of, and I, I just feel like it can, it can really change your life. Truly. I had a major, major personal situation. Like it kind of started seven weeks ago and then it was like two and a half weeks ago, whatever. I mean, just like the rug from underneath me, just whoosh, right. I mean, it was just like, rah, you know, right in the middle of this book launch and everything else. And so I set up, uh, and I needed a perspective, right? So I, even though I'm an expert in toxic relationships, I, if anyone is like, I can figure everything out on my own, I don't need anyone else. Those are people I do not trust, nor would I advise you to trust, right? Because. So even though if it wasn't happening to me, someone could have come to me for this, right? I still, um, I, I don't want to mess up my life, right? I mean, I, I need outside perspectives. I need more information sometimes. I want to be humble enough to say, can, can I get your perspective on this? Is it, am I overreacting? Am I being oversensitive? Or is it really as bad as it appears to be? And it was a situation um, that it really was as bad as it appeared to be. And I went to three different therapists in one week. Mm. And I have another appointment with a different one on Monday. And I did this actually, I had to go to, to court for a court battle that was super scary. It was involving my kids. I was just like, wanted to do right by my kids. And I met with four different lawyers and just paid them and just said, yeah. what would you do? What's your perspective? Am I missing something? Right. And these are huge major decisions with major life consequences. You know, I certainly don't call four friends to figure out what eyeshadow to buy, 
even though many girls do, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, but when it's like, hey, how, how about the well-being of my child? You know, I, I want right. to get a broad base and a broad network of that outside perspective. And so personally, in the last month, even though I'm 12 or 14 years into just this huge transformative healing journey, people all over the world pay me for my advice, like still, when my shit hit the fan, okay, what do I do? Mm. I need an outside perspective. Okay, I want, I'm going to have to make such a drastic and terrible decision that I want to make sure I have people on the outside who are non-biased, right? It's just like, here's the data. Right. It's as bad as I think it is. They're like, yes, it is as bad as you think it is. It's like, okay, great. Then I can move forward with a decision on that. Um, I'm a huge advocate, right? We cannot do life alone and waiting no. until I blow up my life and hiring a therapist to help me crawl out of the pit. That's, you know, there's, there's hit it early, you know, hit it early. And I think it's, I think it's totally okay to also shop around for therapists or lawyers in that situation and find out which person you connect with the most or which person will do exactly what you need them to do for you. I think, you know, shopping around is completely okay. It's okay to interview them and be like, okay, well, how do you yeah. think about this situation? And I, I mean, I've, I kind of shopped around for my therapist and I think that's totally okay to do because you want, you want to get, you want whatever you are seeking, you want to get out of that person, right? If I want advice, I don't want someone to just listen to me and just say, oh, well, that's why this is happening. Like I want feedback. I want advice, right? So I think it is, it's a great thing to really find whoever it is that you really do connect with. So I think- that And it's really important. The, the big premise of my next book is what problem are you trying to solve, yeah. right? And People, you know, if you have a heart, you can find a doctor, but if you have a, if you have a heart issue, don't go to a gynecologist, right? right. If you're having a baby, don't go to a heart doctor, right? And in the, the concept of shopping around, I know personally, when I chose my therapist years ago, it was because she had gone head to head with church authority mm. and she dealt with addictions. And she thought that the Catholic church had, um, and I'm not fashion Catholics in any way, but she said, man, there's so much drinking in the Catholic culture that it is like leading to alcoholism. And so we need to protect alcoholics so they can go to a church event and there not be alcohol everywhere. Right. And so in my own situation, I was a pastor's kid who divorced my student pastor's brother. Oh, wow. And there's a church split over my divorce. Wow. Not done. Not fun at all, right? And so I needed a therapist who honestly had been hurt by the church. Right. So they could get that same perspective, right? Yeah, because the church was such a huge part of my life. And um, just, again, this is a different situation, but, you know, the, the rug had been pulled out from underneath me and I was going to have to have some hard conversations and change my perspective on things. So I needed someone with that type of, faith background. Yes. Wow. Well, I love that story. And I think it's, it is, it, you just have to find some, someone you feel comfortable with, right. And connect with, um, any, oh, I do have one recommendation from a listener. Um, of course, besides your book, which I definitely want to get, um, mm -hmm. someone recommended the book, 
um, Facing Codependency by Pia Melody. Um, yes. I asked some people, are you familiar with that? I am. I am. Oh, okay. um, there's also an amazing book called Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. Okay. That's a good one too. Someone is looking for, and again, they all solve different problems, right? right. So codependency, there's a more sense of like um, a self-worth issue. I can't live without you. I, I can't exist outside of a relationship, uh, which is some people's problem to solve, right? Totally. Then, other people who have what I call smart girl syndrome, which means they just, they were trained to never fail. And so they're not giving up on the relationship. And it's not as, it didn't start out as a self-worth issue, right? They were actually very confident and didn't think they needed to be in a relationship and then got tricked, right? It's a different problem to solve, right? So why does he do that is really all about toxic people <laughs> rather than that internal work, which is, oh my gosh, I had no idea my brother was this person, right? It could be any type of toxic relationship. My boss is like, oh my gosh, why does he do that? Inside the minds of angry and controlling men. So I wish it was a, just a simple one and done. Um, but I think generationally, I mean, a hundred years ago, nobody was talking about toxic relationships. They were just like, so yeah, you hit your kids, you get drunk and you go to church and pretend it didn't happen or whatever, right? So we are in such an evolution Mm. I, I feel very similar to, you know, when, when, when people started speaking up and saying slavery was wrong, we had a civil war, right? Right. It, it doesn't, you know, darkness and evil don't go quietly into the night. Like, Oh, you figured us out. Okay. We're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you right. know? And so I, I feel like very much like we're in a war against toxic people and, and redefining relationships and, and that dynamic. And, um, it's fight. Yeah. Totally. Right? Different strategies are needed for different people in different situations. Now, do you think, I want to ask one last question. Do you think that a toxic person, if they somehow realize that they're basically like that narrow-minded, my wants, needs, desires are the only important thing do you believe that someone in that situation that is toxic can change I believe anybody can change that want to mm. the data in scientific data is very clear that most of our personality is formed very very early in life yes okay so typically they don't want to and you, you have to kind of think like if someone's been selfish and got away with whatever they want and been able to lie and manipulate, and it's like, she doesn't even know I'm sleeping with three other people. Right. And it's True. like, Oh, I'm just going to be so lovable and so amazing and so sexy that he's going to want to change his or have so many boundaries that he's going to like want to change his personality or she changes her personality. I, I have talked to every expert in the world on this and I wish the answer was more hopeful. Um, and I am here to protect, well, I have, I talk about the three little pigs, right? So in the story of the three little pigs, one has straw boundaries. He, the pig builds a house of straw. One has stick boundaries. He builds a house of sticks and one has brick boundaries and he builds a brick house. We always herald the pig with the brick boundaries. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what we kind of forget in the conversation around boundaries is that none of the boundaries change the big bad wolf's personality. Mm. He still came. He huffed and he puffed. He couldn't blow the house down. But he once he realized he couldn't blow the house down, he didn't say, oh, 
you got me. Okay, now I'm going to change and be nice and be friendly. And I'm not going to be a big bad wolf anymore. And our cultures of songs and stories and movies, someone always changes at the end. Literally, that's the storyline of every movie is someone changes their personality. Mm. But does that happen in reality? I, I don't think so, right? I don't no. see the data. And, and honestly, the stories I see where people say their personality changed, there was an example of a girl when she was like, oh, my parents worked out their marriage. My mom cheated on my dad and then tried to kill herself. And then my dad took her back in. Well, come to find out. And, and their marriage fixed and they, they stayed together. Well, come to find out her mother could not talk on the phone to her daughter without her dad being on the phone. Her mother was not allowed to go to the grocery store by herself. Control. And her mother, yeah, was not allowed to pick out her own clothes. Oh, hell right? no. Right? No wonder she tried to kill herself. I mean, I had super compassion for the mother. Yes. But we hear the story of them, her having the affair, trying to get out, the dad forgiving her. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't hear the story of why she wanted to kill herself. Like how things got so bad and so controlling that she felt like that was her only way out. So I have another story of this guy and he was in prison and he shot somebody and um, then he went to prison and then they got married and God conquered all and all this kind of stuff. Well, then I talked to her, like, I personally don't believe people change. (laughs) It's like, I like for my own safety and what I will teach my children is you do not believe they will change. You do not believe they change because if there is a half an inch change at some point in one person's life. Me telling my kids to make that bet at the Vegas table, let's bet a hundred million dollars on, you know, a half a percentage point. So, you know, if someone says, your doctor says, hey, there's a 99% chance you'll die and a 1% chance you'll live. Right. You're not going so happy. Right. If you're betting on Vegas and it's like there's a 99 percent chance you'll lose and a one percent chance you'll win, you'll probably I don't know, poker talk, but you'll probably fold your hand or, or not make that bet. Right. And so I really want people to see their relationships as that, because your your movies and stories and the enforcements are saying 99 percent of people change and one percent of people don't. Mm, that's true. And the science is not backing that up. Personalities, genetic research trauma research, it's not, um, people can change, you know, you started like basketball and now you like football, right? But you don't typically start at football and then like the flute. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it too. And I think like how, how you said earlier is someone has to want to change, but also in this, in this capacity that we're speaking on, it sounds like nine times out of 10 people do not change and they probably don't want to because they've gotten away with it for so long. I mean, it's 99 and one, you know, nine times out of 10, a lot more hopeful, right. Than than what I've seen. There was a interview I did with Sandra L. Brown, who runs the Institute for Relational Harm. And Mm -hmm. she said, when you work with people who have personality disorders, that Mm -hmm. you measure their, the work is in miles and the progress is in millimeters. Yeah. And so let's go back to that smart girl syndrome. I need to work harder and I can make it work. Oh, I don't want to fail. I don't want to give up on someone. I don't. So it just plays into it. Right. Right. And so you're just already programmed to think, well, I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to, you know, and I'm not teaching that to my daughters. 
No, I will. I only have one daughter, but I will teach her. People's behavior tells you who they are. Do not believe people will change, right? Like if someone shows you who they are, believe them. That's a Maya Angelou quote, right? Mm. And that's what I'm, that's the safety mechanism I'm planning on teaching. You know, I believe you can teach your children whatever you want, but from the information I have, I'm going to say, we do not pick fixer uppers. If someone shows you who they are, you believe it. And if you end up, and I'm teaching my kids, if you end up in a situation where someone pretended to be someone and then they turn out to be someone else, I will come pick you up. Yes. There's no shame. There's no apologizing. There's no like, mom, I got tricked. I need to, yep, you got tricked. Let's get out. Come on, right. come on. Because I see friends and family, especially if you've like defended a guy. No, he's really not that bad. You don't know him like I do. And then the red flags really start to happen. And then they're so embarrassed. Like, yep, they don't want to, you know, so what I will, what I am teaching my children, if you make a mistake, you are allowed to, if you make a mistake, someone manipulated you and you thought they were someone and they turned out to be someone else. I will take you to the divorce lawyer. I will take you to the whoever I, I will. I, I, that is, what I believe people do. And I don't want my kids to stay in situations longer because they feel like they messed up and made the wrong decision. Right. Because let's be honest, everyone makes mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. You know, we're just human. We're not robots. (laughs) And people, that's why I started this whole conversation without, with that goldfish swimming in their own water, because people really do put toxic relationships as like the worst mistakes, like the most stupid, like the, the, the most things. Right. And I'm just, I'm just on a mission to change that. I love that. I love your perspective. It is, it's so inspiring and it's, it's just beautiful. So thank you for all of this wonderful conversation. Is there any last thoughts before we have our little game? Find relationships that play by the same set of rules. Mm. The rules are always working to the other person's advantage. You're being gaslit and manipulated and taken advantage of. Um, And check out my new book, Problem Solved, Simple Habits for Complex Decisions. Uh, Because the clear, I talk about brain boundaries Uh and taking things from like spaghetti thinking to waffle thinking. And if you are clear in your own head and clear about your own decisions, you're very hard to manipulate. Yes. Oh my God. You're already scrambled in your own head about your own decisions. Then somebody else comes and puts in a little more scramble. It's a lot trickier. Yes. Be clear. Oh, that's genius. Genius. Sometimes easier said than done, but (laughs) (laughs) it's like not having pie every night. It's easier said than done. It's awesome. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Are you ready for our game? All right. So it's called this or that. So easy. Um, All right. So the first one is takeout or dine in. Uh, I like takeout. My husband likes dine in. So that's well, like a real conversation. It's a real point of contention in a healthy relationship, right? He's right? not calling me a dick or hitting me, but like, we're like fighting over takeout here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. For pizza or pasta? Oh my gosh. Do I prefer my son or my daughter? How do I choose? Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. I'll go with pasta. 
uh, because in my book, I talk about spaghetti thinking. And so if you go to my Facebook, Sarah K. Ramsey, or my Instagram, Sarah K. Ramsey author, you're going to see all these weird pictures of me eating spaghetti, right? And it's like the concept of spaghetti thinking. So I've like chicken piccata or Asian spaghetti or all these like these awesome things. So I guess I'll go with pasta, but it's like asking me to choose between my son and my daughter. (laughs) Can't really choose um tacos or burgers tacos Tacos. I heart tacos so much but yeah I love burgers so good would you rather direct a music video or direct a photo shoot music video I was a piano major my undergrad was in piano performance I was a classical piano major so definitely music that is Mm -hmm. super would you rather have the ability to talk to animals or the ability to control weather? I guess control weather because I think about like tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes and being able to like help yeah. people and, and save them. And like if there's a drought and there's like a family farm and they've been in durations and all their corn crop is gone. I guess I'll choose weather. I guess I'll choose weather. But that's a good one. I like that perspective though. That's a, that's a cool perspective. I always think of like my wedding day, like whenever that may be. I was like, I need a nice day going to be on like by the ocean I'm like I need a nice day and I always have a dream that it rains on my wedding day and I know that's good luck but that's always my thought (laughs) (laughs) um the next one is would you rather have eyes that film everything or ears that record everything eyes that film everything because I almost have ears that record everything like my memory is so crazy on point I've never had notes on a client and I'm like oh yeah I'm your child 14 and they're like what is your freakish memory Sarah and I think it's from playing piano right because I would know I was like memorize Beethoven sonatas and you know all that kind of stuff I had to memorize everything so I'm gonna go with eyes that see because my ears are already pretty strong wow that is impressive I love that would you rather wear ball gowns every single day for the rest of your life or wear swimwear every single day for the rest of your life? Oh. <laughs> I guess I'll go with ball gowns. I guess that I did my first swimsuit competition, like a beauty pageant at 37 after having two kids, like oh, yeah. just in, like, super, I'm always telling people to be scared, like do scary things. And Absolutely. a swimsuit competition, like I was 37 against like 21 year olds who had been married for six weeks. That was pretty scary. So, um, you go girl. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was not fun. You know, people say, oh, was that fun? I'm like, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was, really it was terrifying and a great experience. <laughs> Something on the bucket list, right? I, I'm all about trying out new things, right? It's so much yeah, fun. Yeah. Learn. Really yeah it helped presentation employees and all kinds of good stuff for for my career that's awesome now would you rather live by the ocean or live in a cabin in the woods ocean ocean love Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this one might be interesting for you would you rather create a new language or create a new holiday i'm gonna do a new language and the language would be like logic, like that whole idea of 
hey, because our brains go, hey, I'm scared of things change. And, you know, teaching people to be scared of things don't change, right? Or toxic relationships being someone, uh, relationships that don't take turns, right? right? So I do feel like I'm creating my own language and it's just, yeah. I'm passionate about cutting through confusion. I told you my first book was the language of, or my second book is about the language of overwhelm. So I just want to take like confusing concepts and make them simple to understand. So I feel like I am creating my own language. Hey, I love it. That's amazing. Um, If you had to get a facial for the rest of your life or Manny Petty, which one would you choose? Manny Petty, easy. Like, Oh, oh, I, well, those piano hands, right? I need them to yes. look good. Love. I guess my face should look good, but mm-mm, <laughs> any petty, easy answer. Love. Um, live without movies or live without music? I live without movies. I was, I was a piano major, so I got to have the music. Got to have the music. Music is, mm-hmm. I love it. I love music. Um, well, now this one is kind of funny because you said you played the piano. Um mm-hmm. Would you rather know how to play all instruments or know how to speak all languages? Gosh, I'm such like a goody two shoes. I'm like, again, I'm going to do all the languages so I can help all the people. I mean, I feel like I'm in a beauty pageant, like going world peace. Right. Um, But since I already can like really master an instrument, you know, it's like, yeah, why not speak all the languages and be able to help as many people as possible? Wow. That is so inspiring. I love it. Flowers or chocolate or candy? Or pie. <laughs> or pie. <laughs> or pie. Um, at this stage of my life, I'm going to go with flowers. I've really tried to mm. think about beauty and buying myself flowers and, and just being really feminine, you know, yeah. in, in energy. So I'll go with white roses from Trader Joe's. Love, love that. They last forever. They're like $10. They last forever. Or $10 before the pandemic. I don't know if they're probably 15, <laughs> 30. People. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I'll go with flowers. That's awesome. Um, and then the last one is sunrise or sunset. Okay. I'm going to go with sunset just because my husband loves them. And so sunrises I'm usually doing by myself and sunsets mm. I'm doing. Oh, that's so romantic. They, they are romantic. So yeah. And he's amazing. Yeah. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. You deserve it. You deserve a wonderful, wonderful relationship. So I have one. It's easy. And I, mm-hmm. I get a little pet peeve that sometimes like, it's kind of popular to be like, relationships are hard. Relationships are work. And I, I think it really tricks people who are in toxic relationships thinking like, Oh, this is normal. I'm like, no, no, no. We're right. like thinking like it's annoying the way you unload the dishwasher. Not you called me a bitch. Right. Or yeah. went through my cell phone and like accused me of cheating on you with three like whoa 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 that's not hard that's crazy that's insanity that's crazy. right yes. um no we we have a very good relationship I'm super that's thankful amazing. for him mm-hmm. let everyone know where they can connect with you 
Yeah. So Sarah K. Ramsey, author on Instagram, and um, definitely check out my book, either the first one, Becoming Toxic Person Proof, or my podcast, Toxic Person Proof. Uh, yeah. For my, my lovely little globally acclaimed podcast that I always forget because it's just like such a natural piece of my like world. Uh, so uh, definitely check out the podcast, Toxic Person Proof, tons of information and lots of breakdowns on really healing from a toxic relationship. rebuilding a life after a toxic relationship, understanding if you're in a toxic relationship. Um, And then super excited, make faster. I cannot tell you if you know what problem you're trying to solve, you can make faster decisions. It will prevent you from being manipulated. You will get a raise at work. I promise you'll be seen as a leader. I'm telling you, my clients, they call me the success fairy, right? Because it's just like, oh, make it so simple. And then like I get a raise and a promotion. We're talking like, big time raises and big time promotions. Um, and it's not negotiation. It's just this language of problem solving that mm. it just everything seems to feel easier for you. Right. And right. you'll notice. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to get that book when it comes out. And when it comes out in September, is that right? Available right now. You can put it in the show notes oh. for the 99 cent ebook link. Um, the full Ooh. launch for 20th. So that's like, if you're an audiobook person, all that kind of okay. stuff will come September. Yep, but um, right now it's the friends and family ebooks pre sales of 99 cents, like literally 99 cents. I guarantee your life will be better. You'll be like, Oh, Sarah, you're like a genius. I'm like, I, I'm just, it's talking about spaghetti and waffles, right? You know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it, it really will have an impact to make your life better. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to read it. And thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. It was such an honor speaking with you today. It was great talking to you too. Thank you so much for sharing space with me. And that's a wrap. I hope you guys enjoyed this wonderful conversation with Sarah. Please go check out her books. And I would love for you to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the things at My Naked Mindset. And I would also love for you to connect with me on my free VIP Facebook group. Um, It is called My Naked Mindsetters. It will be in the show notes and also check out my website. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I love you all. Bye.